0: Would you go ahead and thank these guys for leading us in worship? We are in a brand new series this week called Be Still, and I'm excited to kick it off. We're, we're going to be talking about in an age where we're busier than ever, uh, we have more information coming at us than ever before, more distracted than we've ever been. How do we slow down and how do we Be still. And, and really kind of at the heart of the question of, of this series over the next few weeks is, is the question, how, how, do we, how do we slow down and how do we create habits for a healthy soul? My, uh, my sermon this week is called Busted Lips and Coffee Grounds. And I realize that doesn't sound like a normal sermon title. Pastor Desiree said, that sounds like a band name. <laughs> sounds like a good band name. Um, but, uh, but I promise if you stick with me, we'll get there. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you for today. Thank you for everybody here. I pray, God, that my words be, would be your words. I pray that your presence would be here today with us and that you would speak louder than anything that I can say here today. In your name, amen. You know, anytime I preach a sermon, I'm really preaching to myself first. But in this sermon, like, I'm really preaching to myself Uh, A couple months ago, Henry was first learning, you know, how to climb up on top of chairs and, like, he finally had the upper body strength to go up and down couches and everything. And I was home alone with him, and he was going up and down the dining room chairs. And this isn't my most proud parenting moment. Um, I was super busy, super distracted. I was making dinner. I had a podcast playing on my phone, and I was texting all at the same time. And uh, super busy, super distracted when I heard that thud that makes every parent's stomach turn. And I look over at Henry, and he's flat on his back, face up, with blood just pouring out of his mouth. I'm thinking, like, he just bit off his tongue, or he swallowed teeth. Like, worst case scenario, thinking, I run over, I'm like, I'm so sorry, buddy. And I I pick him up, and I wipe his face. And I'm like, I'm so, so sorry. And, you know, as as I kind of cleaned him up, I realized he had just busted his lip and bit his tongue a little bit. So, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but nevertheless, I felt like an awful parent in that moment. And I felt that way because I was so busy and so distracted that I didn't realize that someone really close to me was in trouble. And I wonder how many of us here today are so busy and so distracted with our everyday lives that we don't notice when the people closest to us are in trouble. Like maybe you're, you're so focused on that job and that raise and, and you're spending those extra hours in the office and you don't even see that your marriage is slowly drifting apart. Or, or maybe for you, you know, you've got that extracurricular activity that you put all your time and all your energy into and, and you just you pour hours into it, but as a result, your relationship with your kids feels more like a formality than a relationship. Or maybe you're so distracted with your devices and, and your computer and, and Netflix and everything that you don't realize that your mental health is slowly declining. I mean, being busy and distracted really is the new norm today, right? Like if you go out, just try this later today. Go out and, and after church, ask a neighbor, ask a friend, a family member, how are you doing today? And just see how many people say, oh, so busy, you wouldn't believe how busy I am. I've got this going on and this going on. Like, it's almost like a badge of honor for us, you know, this, this busyness. We, we have things to do, places to be, we've, we've got schedules to keep, kids to raise, kids to take to multiple sports during a night. And then some of, some of us here are not only taking care of your kids, but you're taking care of your family at the same time. You're building businesses and running marathons and, and doing workouts. And you have all these Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube coming at you all at once, all this noise. And as a result, we are swimming in the sea of hurry and hustle. Now, if you ask sociologists kind of how this has developed over the past 50 years, it's really been ramping up and multiplying exponentially. But in 2007, something really big happened. I was 17 in 2007. <laughs> Awkward year for me. And, uh, but Steve Jobs stood up on stage and showed off the first ever iPhone. If you go back and look at a picture, it looks like a brick. It's so thick. But, but he said, finally, everybody will have infinity in their pockets. And with that, Facebook was launched. Twitter was launched. There was all of a sudden, everybody could be connected to thousands of people at once from their bedroom. You, you, could, you could get access to all kinds of information just from a, a device in your pocket. Now, I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that technology or busyness is inherently evil. It's, it's just we're getting so busy and so distracted that we don't realize the people around us are in trouble. You know, there's a, a study that came out recently that showed that the level of anxiety that our teens are facing today is the same level that psychiatric patients from the 1950s were experiencing. There's a a similar study that Psychology Today did where they showed that social anxiety, this fear of being rejected by your peers or by others, has dramatically increased over the past 10 years. And in that same study, they showed that grades 8 through 12, they did this big study on these kids that from 2010 to 2015, their anxiety and depression, the rates of, of those things, increased by 33%. And within that same study, the suicide rate among girls went up 65%. We are so busy and so distracted that we don't even realize that the people closest to us are in trouble. Now, I'll admit, technology has changed a lot over the past 15 years, but it has changed a lot since the writing of this book. Like, when we open this up, we're not going to see Peter... Tweeting Jesus' most, you know, mic drop worthy statements. We're not going to see John the Baptist doing the renegade on TikTok or or anything like that. But we are going to see this search for satisfaction, this search to be known, this search to be seen by God amidst the busyness and distraction of life. And so I want to open up to Matthew chapter 3. This is found in your New Testament, so second half of the Bible. This is actually, um, this is an eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up, or if you have your device, we're starting with Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him from heaven said this is my son whom I love with him I'm well pleased. Now, I just want to pause there for a minute because if if you go back and you read the first few chapters of Matthew which I'd encourage you to do context always helps inform the next piece of scripture that that we read. If you go back and read it Jesus hasn't done anything significant by our standards at this point. Like let me paint a picture for you. 30 year old man from a a small town out in the middle of the country. In fact, this town had a reputation. Someone once said, can anything good come from Nazareth? 30-year-old man, small town out in the middle of nowhere, works for his mom and dad's shop, no hopes of a a romantic relationship in the future, probably still lives at home. He hasn't done any miracles. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't walked on water. And yet, God says, this is my son with whom I'm well-pleased. And that kind of flies in the face what a lot of us have been raised to believe, you know, that like our competency and our productivity give us value. A lot of us, we, we think that the more we do, the, the more we get out there and, and achieve our goals and, and the more we help others, the more we be, the, the more that, the more value we receive. I think that's part of the reason why we're so busy and so distracted right now is, is because we're afraid if, if we don't slow down that that will lose value, or that we won't measure up. But think about that in the context of, of parenting. Like, God is our Heavenly Father. How many parents here remember when your kid first took their first steps? Show up. Yeah, okay. I hope you remember. Um, do you remember, like, at first they would take, like, one, two steps, and then jello legs, and they would just kind of fall and collapse? But there was that day when they took like three or four or five steps and then jello legs and just like collapsed. And you're like, okay, that was walking. And it wasn't walking before, but this was walking. And maybe you're like me and Hannah and you're like, oh, we got to show people this. So we, we can't wait to show our in-laws and our family members, and our friends, and they all gather around Henry and, and he goes to get ready to walk. And he takes like one, two steps, three, and then jello legs. And you're like, no, no, I promise he can walk. Just, just give him a chance. And talking from experience here, of course, I, I, I'm going to just take a wild guess and say that the majority of people here didn't take their son or daughter aside when they, they didn't walk and say, hey, you listen here. We are the Bower Soxes, and we don't fall down like that. If you want to be a part of this family, you get back there and you start walking just an educated guess please don't raise your hand if you've done that <laughs> no because as parents we love our kids just because they are our kids like yeah we want them to grow up and be competent and productive but that's not the measure of their value in our eyes and and we look at life and and, and so many of us were so busy and we're so distracted as if that will give us value and God looks at you and loves you just because you're his child. Do you know that God cares a lot more about your character than your competency? Do you know he cares a lot more about the state of your heart than your Instagram bio? Do do you know that, that God cares a lot more about seeing you thrive in relationship with him than just survive and hustle? And Jesus knew this, and so Jesus doesn't do anything amazing by, by our standards, but he builds relationship with God. He spends time with God. In fact, I'm reminded of the story when Jesus is 12 years old and, and his parents go visit Jerusalem and they leave and they, they get miles and miles down the road and they realize we just forgot our son, which is every parent's worst nightmare. And they go back and they find him sitting at the temple at the feet of teachers learning about God at 12 years old. Those 30 years were spent building character, building the relationship that he had with God. And so maybe, maybe you're, you're reading this and, and if you put yourself in Jesus's shoes, you know, you get baptized, you come up, you hear the voice of God audibly, which is like the best baptism story ever. I know you have great baptism stories, but this one is incredible. It may maybe if you were Jesus, you'd go out and you'd just start baptizing people and hitting them over the head with Bibles and teaching them and, and preaching to them. But Jesus doesn't do that. He spends 30 years building his relationship with God, and then he hears the call of God, and he goes into the wilderness. He says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Pastor Levi Lusco talks about this passage he talks about how Jesus was not led into the wilderness to be tempted, but to be strengthened because he would be tempted. We say that again. He wasn't led into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led into the wilderness to be strengthened because he was going to be tempted. He spent, he spent those 40 days and 40 nights resting and, and being with God and growing his relationship and his reliance on God during that time. So that when the devil comes and, and, and challenges him and tries to tempt him, he's able to stand strong. I mean, think about it. Jesus was about to go into three years of really intense ministry. He, he was about to, after 30 years of no one really knowing his name, he was about to step out and minister to thousands and thousands of people. He would heal thousands of people. People would listen to his words. He'd be a first century celebrity. In fact, people, he would try to get away, you know, in like to, a, to the wilderness somewhere where nobody could find him at like three in the morning. And people would still show up and find him. That'd be like you and me going to Mac Johnson, you know, and hiking way back in the woods to get away from the hustle and bustle of Brockville. And we, we get to that bridge, you know, and then all of Brockville shows up and is like, where's the fish and the bread? Let's party. It's it, just impossible for him To escape, he's this first century celebrity. And Jesus, as a result, was going to face temptation. He was going to face greed, pride, all these things on a scale that you and I can't even imagine. And at the end of all that, he would have to give up his life in the most painful way imaginable crucifixion. Jesus doesn't go into the wilderness to be tempted. Like, like for me, I, I read, used to read it like an Indiana Jones movie. You know, like Jesus goes out and he's got these three tests to prove that he's worthy. You know, drink from the chalice to prove that you are worthy to become, be called the son of God. But, but what this is, this is Jesus going out into the wilderness to be strengthened, not to be tempted. I chose coffee for this illustration because coffee is life for me right now. Kind of the only way I'm, I'm surviving. And uh, if you ever want to make my day or make Hannah's day, you can show up at our house with a tall Pike place from Starbucks. No cream, no sugar. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> there, there's going to be someone who comes up to me afterwards and is like, I don't need coffee. I'm all natural, and that's because you don't have two kids that wake up at midnight and think it's a great time to pee and poop and eat, so um, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just uh, call it even there. Let's pretend we all love coffee, and this coffee represents our time and our energy and our passion. You know, so many of us, we go into life and, and we start pouring ourselves out into our kids' sports. You know, into and, and, and their activities, and some of our kids, they have two or three sports a day, depending on on what what they're doing, and not to mention all the driving that happens in between that. Others of us, you know, we have got not only our parents or our kids to take care of, but we're taking care of our parents now, and that's eating up a piece of our schedule that we never imagined that it it would eat up. Others of us, we have those extracurricular activities, you know, the sports. For me, it, it was marathoning, running, workouts, whatever that might be. And then others of us, you know, we, we fill our empty space with cell phone time, sometimes for business, sometimes for distraction. Let's be honest about that. that's a, that's a little more full than that. <laughs> others of us, you know, we, we're going to school, we've got homework, we've got things to do and places to be, and, and then some of us maybe Maybe you're more of a people pleaser and you say yes to things you shouldn't and meetings that you shouldn't do and your schedule just keeps getting more and more packed. And then we get to the end of the week and we're reminded of Sunday where we connect with God. And, and we pour what little we have left. And it's just the bottom of the pot. and Coffee grounds. Have you ever ever gone to a coffee pot and all that's left is the bottom with the coffee grounds? It's the best. (laughs) Said no one ever. It's awful. It's not satisfying at all. You get the grounds in your teeth, you know, and in your gums, and you just, it makes you hate the fact that you went to get coffee, but now you want real coffee. So many of us, we've been pouring ourselves out into all these areas of life, except for the area. And some of you here today, you walked into this building and, and you're feeling so exhausted and so tired and worn out. You're like, man, if I could just get that 12 hours of sleep, if I could just work on more time hacks to make more time in my schedule, if I could just get on that vacation, then I'd be rested. But let's be honest, you get away for vacation and the work has just piled up, you're right back into the hurry and hustle. You can make more time hacks, but really making more time hacks is making time to make more time hacks, to fill with more stuff to do. And just from personal experience, you might get that 12 hours of sleep one night, but your kids aren't going to give you that every night. Some of us came in and were so exhausted and tired. But the problem isn't that we're exhausted and tired. The problem is we're depleted. And we've been pouring ourselves out into all these areas, except for the most important area. We're running off of the bottom of the pot and coffee grounds. Really, if we were to kind of reorganize this illustration, this, this coffee pot should be our, our heart, our time spent with God. And as we brew a cup of coffee, as we, as we spend time with God, we fill up and then we pour out. And it overflows into all of these activities. And then we go back and we make another pot and we fill it up. We connect with God. We spend that time with God. And then that overflows into these other activities. Do you know there's a big difference between filling your time and filling your heart? And so many of us, we've been working under this lie that that these are the things that will bring us value and and, and help us feel like we measure up and satisfy us. And we neglect the most important thing. My sermon in a sentence this week, if you've, write anything down it's this it's a quote i heard the only one who can satisfy your heart is the one who made it the only one who can satisfy your heart is the one who made it there needs to be a reprioritization in our lives restructuring time building time in to spend alone with god carrie newhoff A pastor talks about this, and uh, he he talks about Jesus in this light. He says, if you think this is unnecessary, know this time spent with God, or that you don't have time for it, just know that Jesus prepared for 30 years before ministering for three. Think about that. His preparation to implementation ratio was 10 to 1. For every year he taught and served and healed, he prepared for 10. And even during those years, he often disappeared to pray. 10 to 1 ratio. And then we look at scripture in, in Mark chapter 6 verse 33. It says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught and then because so many people were coming and going because they were so busy, get this, they were so busy they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus steps away from the hurry and hustle to connect with God. Luke 5.16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And then we know that Jesus, as he's facing crucifixion, says he prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane, connecting with God, being filled up so that he could be poured out. I wonder, how much time do you spend on competency and productivity and busyness and distraction. And how much time do you spend connecting with God? What would that ratio look like for you? When Hannah and I were doing music in in Nashville, we had things begin to pick up for us, and um, we ended up getting in the studio, and we'd be in the studio 12 hours a day, and then we'd go work our jobs, and then go to sleep and studio work, jobs. And then when we weren't in the studio, we were doing social media posts and booking tours. And and when we weren't doing that, we were writing songs and we were just busy, busy, busy. And then that ended up leading us into um, touring full time. So we go out on the road and we've got two sweaty dudes in the back of the van with us talking and, and, and doing this all together and playing shows and doing social media posts, writing music, getting in the studio. We just kept going and going and going. And at the end of that time Hannah and I at the end of the year we set aside some money to go on a cruise just the two of us just to connect and we got on the cruise ship and we didn't get the wi-fi package on our phone so no emails no business stuff and as the cruise ship pulled away from the harbor I sat at a table with my wife and I realized I hadn't talked to my wife as my wife in over a year I had talked with her as a business partner. I had talked about all these plans that that we had to build our business, but I hadn't actually talked to my wife in a year. And I didn't know where to start. If I were to ask for your clinical opinion on that, you, you might say, well, you know, one thing you could have done is maybe communicate more. Like 15 minutes a day, go grab a cup of coffee and spend time together. Maybe go on a hike, go on vacation somewhere, go on a drive together, get away from those two sweaty dudes in the back of the van. And and that seems kind of, you know, that seems obvious when it comes to our, our earthly relationships, but why is there a disconnect with our Heavenly Father in that relationship? Some of us here today If you sat down at a table with God and you looked across at him, you might not know what to say. Because it's been days and weeks and months and maybe even years since you've actually talked to God as your heavenly father. Some some of us, we've been treating that relationship more like a business transaction than an actual relationship. Do you know, though, that God is a good parent? that he loves you unconditionally, and you could, you could be away from God for days, months, weeks, years, and it still wouldn't be enough time to take away his love from you. Do you know that there is no height, no, no depth, no angels, nor demons, nor anything strong enough in this world to pull you apart from the love of God? Just like Jonah, when he was thrown into the sea, swallowed by a whale, taken to the depths of the sea, that still wasn't enough to take the love of God from him. Some of you today who it's been weeks and months and years, but it's not too late. The one who made your heart wants to satisfy your heart. And so for some of us, that means carving out that 15 minutes just this week, starting off easy, 15 minutes a day, reading your Bible, putting your phone on do not disturb. I know that's a cuss word for some of you. Some, some of us, maybe, maybe that is a part of your routine, and you've got to go take a hike, go take a walk, go take a drive without music and just connect with God. Some of us, we've got to cut some things out of our schedule because we're pouring ourselves out into the, all, all these areas except for the most important area. I had a mentor challenge me in college to spend a whole day out in nature with my Bible and my journal and just talk to God. And it was so life-giving. Now, I'm I'm not saying, you know, follow Jesus literally in this and go behind Sea Road and the woods for 40 days and 40 nights without eating. But we need to follow Jesus' example. 30 years of carving out that time, that relationship with God, and then 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, being filled up so that he could be poured out. In John chapter 4, Actually, before I get there, we, we did this study in, in Young Adults, and, and there's this quote I want to share with you. It says, Solitude is a formative place because it gives God's Spirit time and space to do deep work. When no one is there to watch, judge, and interpret what we say, the Spirit often brings us face-to-face with hidden motives and compulsions. The world of recognition, achievement, and applause disappears, and we stand squarely before God without props. Our God is a good parent. And he wants to do deep work in us, to transform us, to make us more and more like him. Jesus says this in John four fourteen. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Can you imagine as we, as we carve out that time in our schedules, as we create that solitude and silence, as we be still and connect with God, how that life-giving water will spill out into our kids' lives, into our marriages, into our, our schools and our neighborhoods and our workplace, into to Brockville. Can you imagine how just by taking time in your schedule to connect with God, you could be an agent of change in this community? Let us be a people here at Sea Road who look not to the things of this world to satisfy and fill us up, but to the most important thing, God the only one who can satisfy our hearts is the one who made them. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person here today. I pray that you would be challenging us, making us more like you. I pray for the spaces in our lives where we need to connect with you, where we've neglected, maybe for days, weeks, months, maybe years. I pray that this week week would be the start of change that we would carve that space out for solitude and silence to hear your voice, to be filled up so that we can pour out into this community. God, we trust you and we love you.